Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, tonight, thank you for your word that is able to build us up. Thank you for the light that will shine forth in this world today. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Tonight we are, well, this month of November at our midweek services, we're going to be focused on the subject of evangelism. How many of you are excited about that? It's not louder. Okay, let me scratch that. This month of November, we're going to be focused on breakthrough. We're going to be focused on evangelism. And um, our, mid, our Sunday services, we're going to be focused on something else, but there's a correlation with it too. And this is very important teaching tonight that would help us build the foundation on the several other teachings on this subject, on evangelism. Right. Tonight, I'm going to be focused on God's will, or you can call it God's plan for the earth. God's plan for the earth. So, the theme is evangelism, and the writer is God's plan for the earth. Every manufacturer has a plan for what he manufactures. There has to be a purpose. There has to be a reason. There has to be an intention of which that product was produced or manufactured in the very first place. Everybody does have a plan. And if God with all the wisdom, all the power, all the knowledge that he has, then it tells us that God definitely has a plan for the earth. I remember when I was growing up, I had a cousin. Let me crack you up a little bit. And this cousin of mine, you know, went one day to meet his father and said his father that was the real life story and looked at his father and said sir daddy what's your plan for me like what's what's really your plan why did you give birth to me <laughs> so if our earthly parents has to answer those kinds of questions then biblically there is a plan of god for the earth now let me say this here there is a plan of god for your life but there is also a plan of god for the earth Many times, we focus on the plan of God for our lives, not knowing the plan of God for the earth. And guess what? If you do not know the plan of God for the earth, and you know the plan of God for your life, you would mismatch the plan. Because the reason why the earth exists, which is God's global plan for the earth, is in correlation with God's plan for your own life as well. Are you following what I'm saying there? They are not side by side. They work one with another. And that's why it's very important that when we want to talk about the subject of evangelism, we go back to the very foundation of why did God create the earth in the first place? Why am I here? What's God's plan for the earth? What's God's plan for my life? And that's why we're going to be focused on this subject so that we can bring a biblical understanding and see, there is a worldview that we have that is created by by ourselves either by society by knowledge by growing up by upbringing 
But there is a biblical worldview. There are two different ones. There is a biblical worldview and there is a worldview that you can have by what you've seen growing up. Tonight, I want to show us from the scriptures God's plan for the earth. And while I begin to show you, and we're going to go one line upon line, precept upon precept, you are going to begin to co- you know, connect it together with God's plan for your own life. Are you ready? Alright, let's dive right into it. How best do we start this by going to the book of the beginning? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Um, please, Jim, thank you. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Alright. Everyone, let's look at this. Alright, are you there? It says, this scripture, you know the scripture very well, don't you? But let's read it together. One, two, three, go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, let's take it one after the other because there is no way we're going to be able to understand God's plan for the earth without going back to the books of the beginning. So let's go into it one after the other. Media, do you mind helping me circle the beginning, in the beginning? Just circle it or underline the beginning. Alright? Then, underline created. Then, underline heavens. Then, underline earth. Can you do that for me? Alright? So we're going to look at in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this one text in the Bible is so much in it that we can unpack. And by the grace of God, we'll try and unpack it. We'll try and unpack it right here. Now, how many of you remember the scripture, John chapter 1, verse 1? You remember? Alright, let's quote it together. One, two, three, go. Quote it louder as Bible students. One, two, three, go. Alright, stay here with me. John 1, Genesis 1, 1. So, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So, we know that there is a beginning before this particular beginning. And I explained that to you. I think I've, I've taught you that before about the pre-Adamic existence. Do you remember that teaching? Alright, so we understand that. But in the context of what we are talking about today, I want to focus on created heavens and earth. Created heavens and earth. Now, let's focus on created. Who created the heavens and the earth? Let's go to the Bible to look at it. One after the other. We're going somewhere today. John, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. He says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God. So that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. Now, he says, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word. Now, let's go identify who is that word. John chapter 1, or let's go first to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who is that word? It says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, 
when he had made himself purge our sins, who purged our sins? Talk to me, who purged our sins? And sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Who sat down there? All right. Now, let's go again to John chapter 1 verse 1. We'll read John chapter 1 verse 1 all the way down to John chapter 1 verse 5. Are you there? All right, let's read together. One, two, three, go. Next verse. It was in the beginning with the word. Next verse. With God. All things were made through him, and without him was not made, was made that was made. Next verse. Next verse, verse 5, the last one. Fantastic. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and underline it for me again. So when the Bible says in the beginning God created, who created? Yes, I know God. Who did the creation? Talk to me guys. Who did the creation? The word, right? Who is that word? Talk to me. Who is the word? So you saw in that text what we are talking about, right? Now, let's go to and the word, which is Jesus, created the heavens and the earth. Now, how many of you have said, and the Lord God created the heaven and the earth? If you look at this text very well, you will see that it is not the heaven. It is the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. Let's go there. Thus, the heavens and the earth. Did you see there? The heavens, S. Underline it for me, please, media. And the earth. It did not say the heavens and the earths. It's the heavens and the earth. Now, if you check all through scriptures, let's do a little bit study. Give me the message translation. Give me the amplified version. Give me the TPT. I think TPT now is more in, um, in the New Testament. Give me any version you can get apart from the King James Version. All of them would point to the word of God starting with saying, the heavens and... No, 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 not this one. Yes. No, go. Yes, exactly. The heavens. The heavens. It is only the King James Version that has it as the heaven and the earth. Now, I'll explain it to you this way. If you go back to the original Greek in which the Bible was written, in the original Greek it's written as the heavens with S and the earth. The heavens with S and the earth. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, you'll see it again there. Go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. This is the history of what? The heavens. Did you see that? Did you see that? And what? The earths. Or the earths. Alright. Now go to Psalms. I think it's Psalms. Let me check it. Psalms 19 and verse 1. Psalms 19 and verse 1. I wanted to follow me this, this evening because we're going somewhere together. Psalms 19 and verse 1. The what? Heavens. Declare the glory of God. Now go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the
the heavens. So this suggests to us that when the Bible uses the word the heavens, there is more than one. Wait a minute. I know it's about to shake you a little bit, but we're going somewhere. Now, Apostle Paul was speaking in the book of 1 Corinthians, and he talked about the third heaven, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. Let's go there, everybody. 2 Corinthians, pardon me, chapter 12 and verse 2. Glory to God. We are talking about the world view, the world view and God's plan for the earth. Now, this is him saying here, I know a man in, heaven, in, in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up in what? The third heaven. Look at it. Third heavens. Did you see that? Underline it for me. Let's be sure we are saying the same thing. Can you find any S there? Am I covering it? There's no S there. So there's a third, third heaven. So it suggests to us that if there is a third heaven, then there is a first, then there is a second, and there is a third. So when the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then it tells us that there are more than one. Now the problem here is the use of the word heavens. That everybody thinks the moment heavens is mentioned, we are talking about the dwelling place of God. So let's break it down and let's see because we're talking about the global plan of God. If you don't get this right, we'll miss the whole concept of evangelism. Now let's go there to Psalms chapter 78 and verse 23. Because the first heaven in the Bible, no, let's go there first. Psalms 78 verse 23. Look at this. It says, yet you have commanded the cloud above and open the doors of heaven. Did you see that? You have commanded the cloud above and open the door of heaven. Go again with me to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 12. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 12. You know why? Because we use scriptures to explain scriptures. Glory be to God. For me to be able to prove this accurately to you, I have to show you scriptures that tells you at least one or two scriptures to tell you that this is exactly what the Bible is saying right there. Now, the Lord would open up his good treasure, the heavens three, to give rain to you, to your land in the season, and bless all the works of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. Next verse. Verse 13. Alright, and you shall be the head. Da, 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 da. Now, the first heaven you see there when the Bible is speaking about the first heaven, it speaks of the atmospheric heaven. The atmospheric heaven is what you call the skies. That's why when people say our father in the skies, Jenza, our Lord in the skies. <laughs> There's something else we're talking about. Oh, your, your sky daddy. <laughs> Glory to God. It talks about the atmospheric heaven. Now, there is what we call the atmospheric heaven. So when the Bible says in the book of Malachi that I would open up the heaven to give its rain, it was talking about to the crops of the ground. Somebody understand what I'm saying there? The first heaven. The second heaven we find also, write this down, is an invisible realm where 
demons are. Ephesians 2 verse 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Glory to God. All right, Ephesians 2 verse 2 says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now walks in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Go there. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Look at this. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in what? The heavenly places. Now, if the heaven is only one, can the spiritual wickedness exist in the same place God dwells? Can it? So it tells you that when the Bible says use of the word heavens, it's not only talking about the only place, the singular place in which God exists. That's why we're talking about the three heavens which Apostle Paul was talking about there that I was caught up in the third heavens, which is speaking there about the heaven in which God himself dwells in. Glory to God. Now, let's go down to the third heavens, which is the very place in which God dwells in. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 calls it, let's go there. I, I love, it says our heavenly country. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 16. It says, but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. In first, second, second um, Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2, we saw right there when Apostle Paul was talking about the third heavens and the third heavens that he was talking about there was the heaven in which God in fact if you go for that let's go there so that we don't let's go there second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2 it's back now all right let's go there everybody let's read this together one two ready read or whether heart of the body do not know God knows such a one was caught up up to the third heaven. Now let's go to the next verse. Watch this. Verse 3. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, do not know, God knows. Next verse. Verse 4. Do you understand now? He was talking about paradise here. He was talking about where God himself exists. Now, let's go down further. How many heavens do we see in the Bible? Talk to me, church. Number one. Not skies ever, no. Number one. Number two. Number three. All right. Now let's go down a little bit deeper now. Now, go back to Genesis chapter one and verse one. Are you following me this evening? Okay. You know why I'm teaching you these things? So that because when you start doing evangelism deep now, you have to be able to defend this gospel. First Peter 3. You have to defend it. Now, let's now go to the earth. I'm sure you know that the earth is made up of 70% or 71% water. You know that science, the original science students, you know, right? Let's go to verse 2. Genesis 1 verse 2. 
Look at this. It says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So when the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was actually water. Are you following me? So that's why the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the water. Next verse, verse 3. It says, verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Next verse, verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. Now, Genesis chapter 1 all the way down. Let's go to verse 26 now. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. So we've established creation here of the three heavens. We've established the creation of the earth. Yes or no? Now, let's establish the creation of man from that. Next verse. You'll see how we're going to correlate everything together. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Now, underline for me image there. Underline image. Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the beds of the air, and over the cattle, and over every, and over all the, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, in Genesis, let's go all the way to verse 28. Verse 28. Verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, when God created the whole earth, His purpose was, let us now make man in our own image after our likeness and let them now have dominion over which what over that which we have created in other words all of these things we have created they are now going to be the rightful owner of all these things that we have created glory be to god hallelujah hallelujah now let me say something here i want to go a little bit ahead of myself but i tell you as a believer your supernatural I don't want to use power but your supernatural advantage is not only concerning the things on the earth do you know that even in the atmospheric heaven you have power there did it happen with Joshua do you understand what I'm saying there but that's not for today so when God says let them have dominion over everything he gave them dominion over everything now not to the third heavens before you say, ah, now we get to that place now. You are seated in heaven, yes? But well, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Now, what then was the purpose of man? Because why did he create all of this beautiful thing and then gave it to man to have dominion over? Why? Why did, he, why did God create man in the first place? Have you ever thought about that? Why did he create himself? What's the purpose? You know, if you read my book of Bible story, how many of you have that thing? He said the reason why God created us was so that we can fellowship with him. And then it sounds to me that we have a God that is very bored. Because why will you create several billion people to be fellowshipping with you? And then you then have also angels worshipping you. So the one, he created us so that we can be worshipping him. But you have angels that are worshipping you. Are you a bored God? <laughs> Look, the 
purpose of creation cannot be known until we unravel the concept of dominion. Because if it says, let them have, let, let us create them, us, them in our likeness. The likeness there speaks of who we are. The image that we represent. And so if God was moving around the face of the deep and God said, let there be light and there was light, you saw dominion first. The first exchange that you saw with the Godhead, dominion. So if God says, let them have dominion, he's saying in other words that the first thing you must see with man is full dominion. Glory be to God. So the purpose of the earth for man was that man should be like God in dominion. Do you get what I said there? That's why the Bible says the heavens, even the heavens is the Lord's, the earth as he given to the children of men. So let's look at some scriptures that would help us, you know, solidify what I just said to you now. Isaiah 45 and verse 18. Isaiah 45 and verse 18. It says, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, God, who is God, who formed the earth and made it and has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be what? Did you see that? Inhabited by who? Talk to me, church. So, now we understand why the earth was created. The earth was created, you can write this down, so that it would be inhabited by men, by you and I. Why? Because of his global plan, which is where we are still going to. So the earth was created so that it can be inhabited by men because of God's divine global plan. Now let's keep going. Open with me to the book of Psalms 115 verse 16. Psalms 115 verse 16. Psalms 115 verse 16. It says, The heavens, even the heavens, is the Lord, the earth, as he given to the children of men. So write this down. Why did God create the earth? Number one. Because God loves mankind. Because God loves mankind. Ephesians 1 4. You see an holy obsession with man and God. Look at this. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Open again with me to the book of James chapter 1 and verse 18. We're talking about why God created the earth. James chapter 1 verse 18. Of his own will, he brought, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Do you understand what the first fruit of his creature there means? Now, do you understand when the Bible says, the angel speaking, it says, who is man that you are mindful of him? Now, open again with me to Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 2. Isaiah 44 and verse 2. It says, Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you? Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and Jeshurun, who I have chosen. So number one, I said, God loves mankind. Number two, why did God create the earth? Because God wanted a family. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. It says, 
For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. When we say firstborn day, it speaks of family. So you see that God wants a family. If you open to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse, verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, number three. Why did God create the earth? So that man would have dominion over the earth. So that man would have dominion over the earth. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Now, what is God's plan for the earth? What is God's plan for the earth? Turn your Bible with me to the book of Numbers chapter 14 and verse 21. Now that he has created mankind, now that he has created the whole earth, now that he has given us the power and the dominion of the earth for the earth, so what is now your plan for this same earth that you have, you have given to us? Let's go there. Genesis, no, let's go to Numbers. Numbers 14 and verse 21. Glory to God. It says, but truly as I live, all the earth, somebody say all, shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, media, please, I'm getting to the point where I really need this thing to work because I want them to see this. It's very, very important. I need a signal, please. All right. It says, truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Now, when you think about the word glory, what comes to your mind? Anybody? Look, today is Bible study. It's not one of the messages that will make you we're going together, together, together because I'm going somewhere. What comes to your mind when you think of glory? Somebody give me a mic. Quickly, quickly. Protocol. Ha. Don't I won't bring you outside. What comes to your mind when you think of glory? Of course. Christians will come. What comes to your mind when you think of glory? Oh yeah, let me give her the back mic. Now, we've established why God created the earth, have we? We've established that. Alright. So, let's now know what's the purpose of all of this earth self and this man that you have created. So, let's find out. Like a shining light. Shining light. Another person? Thank you. Beauty. Beauty. So when you think of glory, welcome. Okay, another person. Big. Big. Grand. Okay, grand. Another person. All the choir from here, they will say smoke. <laughs> smoke. When you think of intimidating presence. In, ah, ah. That's what comes oh, to my mind. That's powerful. So you think of smoke. Now, let's be honest. When you think of glory, do you see smoke? It's like when I say the glory of God is here. What comes to your mind, everyone? It's like there's 
There is one thing. Do you know that? Listen to me. So listen to me, everybody. One of the reasons why we must actually study the Bible is because there are many things that we assume that that's what the scripture is saying that is completely not what the scripture is saying. Completely not. And I can give you many, many, many types of examples even in the Bible. For example, I'll give an example. When we say things like, God cannot give you more than you can handle. It's not scriptural. It's not. We take that scripture from 2 Corinthians 10. When it says you can't be tempted, da, 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 da. Look. Okay, let me prove it to you. Jesus. <laughs> no, I can prove it to you. Okay. Jesus was on the boat. No, he came. Saw Peter there. Now, he said, cast thy nets to the other side. Peter took his nets. He said, we have told all that has caught nothing. No. He said, nevertheless, at thy word. Took it, put the net inside, caught fish. He caught fish to the point that his boat started to sink. The boat of the neighbor self almost capsized. Did he give him more than he could undo? Many times, we take what we have heard and we just assume some of those scriptures. In fact, when the Bible says, in fact, let me say this something. The Bible did not even say, spare the rod and spoil the child. It's not in the Bible. You don't believe. Should we check it out? Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Hold on. I'll tell you something. Look, everyone. The reason why I started how I started today, eh? Is because I want us to journey together from the beginning so that we can understand this Bible well. So that you don't hear something. I tell the truth. For many years, when I hear the glory of God is here, particularly for me, a heavy man of God, I'm already thinking that there's smoke, like the angel. But look, when the Bible uses the word glory, I will not say it, I will open the scriptures. You would understand that this glory is talking about because in, in Exodus chapter 33, when Moses said, show me your glory. He was not talking about smoke. Oh. In, Gen in Exodus 34, we understood from Exodus 34 what that glory meant. But before we do that, let's go to the spear, the rod, and spoil the child one. Do we want to go there? What's that scripture again? Please. Yeah, let me open that scripture. You know, we interpret scriptures in the light of another scripture. Proverbs what? All right. One, two, three, go. Read. Read it one more time. Read it with your full chest. Now, why are you scared to read it? Read it with your full chest. Now, hold on. The discipline there. What was the Bible talking about there? So you want her to beat this your child, child. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Give us, train up a child in the way that it should go. What's that scripture again? Give me the text. Let's go there. We could spare the rod because we just took spear, rod, spoil, child. And we just joined it together as a scripture. And we say, and scripture says, spear the rod and spoil the child. But that's not what is here. 
But the Bible gives us a biblical context as to how a child should be trained. Go there. It says, train up a child in the way that it should go. It says, and when he is old, he will not depart. I went to check out for the Greek of that train. Let me read it out for you. The meaning of the word train. I hope I find it on my text. It means to accompany with wisdom. So for some of us, the train of the child is like, let's play them like ball. He said, accompany this child with wisdom. Glory to God. That's why there are many things. You, you know, let's keep going. Glory to God. Amen. You know, another one that is very popular is God helps those who help themselves. Oh, is heaven help those? Is it the Bible? <laughs> and someone will say, the angel you know. <laughs> You've not met some angels. <laughs> Anyway, let's go back to, we're talking about glory. So we have, the, we have the text now on the body, right? Okay, let me go back. How many heavens do we have? All right? So we've established that. What is the reason why God created man? Number one. It's on your notes. I said it. Read it out. Number two. Number three. Alright, so what is God's plan for the earth now? Let's look at what God's plan is for the earth. Now, open with me to Numbers 14 and verse 21. It says, But truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of God. Now, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14 further buttresses what this glory is saying to us. Habakkuk 2 verse 14. It says, For the earth would what? Be filled with what? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Now, what is that knowledge? What is that knowledge? Let's go to that text where we now started talking about glory because most time when we use the word glory, we found it in the mouth of Moses. Exodus chapter 33. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33 and verse 18. Exodus 33 and verse 18. Exodus 33, 18. Amen. If you can, open your Bibles, everyone, please. Let's go there. We, you have to see this yourself. Are you there? If you are there, say, oh. <laughs> if you are not there, say, <gasps> like you are gasping for breath. Are you there? Alright, let's read it together. One, two, three, go. It said what? Okay, let's go to the next verse. What did it then say in the next verse? What did it say? Wait, wait, wait. Read it with your full chest now. Alright, pause there. 
Hold that one with one hand. Now let's go to Exodus 34 and verse 1. Exodus 34 verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 all the way down to verse 6 or verse 9. Verse 8. Are you there? All right. Let's go there. Because we want to unravel what this glory means. Because we say that the earth will be filled with the glory of God. Let's understand what that glory means. Amen. Amen. So we're not just thinking that what's just evoke smoke on the earth. And we say the glory of the Lord is on the earth. Glory to God. All right. Exodus chapter 34. Let's go there. And verse 1. 1, 2, 3, go. Verse 2. So be ready in the morning and come up to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. Verse 3. And no man shall come up with you and let no man see throughout all the mountains. Verse 4. So he caught two tablets of stones like the... Verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions for sins. Now watch this there. When the Bible talks about his glory, when it says, let me show him your glory. I want to see his glory. I want to see your glory, oh God. What he means by the glory of God is actually the character of God. Are you getting what I'm saying there? And what is the character of God? That God is loving. God is merciful. God is patient. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what that text is talking about. So when we say we want to see the glory of God, we're saying the character of God is made manifest here. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not the smokes. It's not those, those things. It's the character of God. Glory to God. Listen, what God told Moses that he could not see was his face. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't mistake the two together. But if, because if you read Exodus 23, 33, you will see the response of God, response of God to him. Did you read that? You saw the response. What was the response? My goodness. He said another word there. Read it. Read it. Go there and read it again. Everybody, read it again. One, two. Yes. Oh, yeah. One, two, three, go. Go to verse 18. What did he ask for first? He asked for glory. But what did God say he was going to show him? So when you see the goodness, when you see the glory of God, when you hear the glory of God is here, we are saying the nature of God, the essence of God, and the character of God is here. Now go back to Habakkuk chapter 12, chapter 2 and verse 14 now. Habakkuk 2 that we read earlier. Go back there and verse 14. Now I want you to read this scripture in light of what you now know. Are you there? Oh yeah, one, two, three, go. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of what? What will be there? What are the character of God?
tender mercies. The earth will be filled with what? The character of God. Now, how does a God that sits in the heavens show his character without the assigned men? Do you understand what I'm saying? So let's go down a little bit more. Now, we've seen and established what that character of God is. Is God is loving, God is merciful, God is compassionate, God is long-suffering. This explains to you why <laughs> somebody asked me one very interesting question. He said, Pastor, I want to ask you this question, and I'm very serious about it. I said, ask me, sir. Very serious question. He said, why, why is it that wicked people, they don't die quickly? I said, because God is long-suffering. <laughs> But I hope you know that's the character of God. Look, God suffers long. That person you want, that you are praying that God will make that person fall so that God will vindicate me and I lie. Look, God doesn't vindicate like that. In the character of God is that that person comes to repentance. Not that the person will now fall. And I say, hey, finally I knew my redeemer leave it. God is long-suffering. <laughs> Some people are already angry. Say, hey, I better go leave that with my redeemer. But that's the truth. Glory to God. And so we understand from this text that the, the plan of God for the earth is that the whole earth is filled with his character. The whole earth is filled with his goodness. The whole earth is filled with his nature. What is that goodness? John 3.16, let's go there. What is that goodness? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten son, the firstborn amongst many other brethren, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the goodness of God. Now, do you understand God's plans for the earth? Do you get that? So the purpose in which earth was created is that I want to permeate the earth with my character. I want to permeate the earth with my goodness. I want to permeate the earth with my mercy. I want to permeate the earth with my long suffering. I want to permeate the earth with my compassion. That's the purpose of the earth. Glory to God. Now, how does God get this done Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 it says how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher next verse I hope you know the preacher there is talking about you yes or no uh huh it says, and how shall they preach without, unless they are sent? Pause there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Before some of you exempt yourself and say, I'm not sent. Oh, thank God I'm not sent. It's a lie. Let's see it. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and, and has given who? The fivefold ministers. 
He has given who? The what? Are you sent? Are you sent? So you see that the scripture I read earlier applies to you. You saw that. Or you see that. Let's go to the next verse, verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Now, when you are reading this text now, you can understand that what God was doing, he was trying to reveal his own character to man. Romans chapter 10. Let's go back there. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. And how shall they hear? And how shall they call on him if they, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Next verse. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace, who bring the glad tidings, who, who bring glad tidings of good things. Look at me, everyone. The global plan of God on the earth is that the whole earth experiences the true essence and character of God. And the only way that can be done is through the men that he put right here on the earth to do it. Angels cannot preach the gospel. They are not wired to do that. It is only you and I that can do that. Now therefore, if you want to see the will of God done on the earth, raise your two hands high. <laughs> raise it high. If you have never preached the gospel before, some people are already putting it down. Okay, let me take it out. If you have not preached the gospel this year, raise it down. Okay, some people are putting it down. If you want to see the will of God done on the earth, raise it up. So you see contradiction. We want to see the will of God done. Please put it down now. But we are not doing what he's asking us to do to get his will done on earth. Glory to God. Let me share something with you guys. I'll begin to close. This is a four-part series. So today... I laid the foundation of three answers. Number one, why the earth in the first place? Number two, why man? Number three, what are we supposed to do as men on the earth? All right? Next week, we're going to go further into these teachings. How do you preach the gospel? How do you, you know, speak to the Muslims? How do you speak to a pagan? How do you speak to, we're going to go a little bit deeper, deeper into this. But I want to say something here. Listen to what I'm about to say as I'm going to begin to wrap up. The biggest challenge of a New Testament believer right now, listen to what I'm about to say, is actually not the devil. Have you heard of... Hmm, should I go into this?
Okay, let me, let me stop there. What is God's view of the earth? And what is God's, what's God's view for the earth? What's God's view for the, for the earth? I was reading the statistics just today. And that, that statistics shook me. It says that every, listen to this, very dangerous, scary statistics. Every five person that is born again, now I don't know how they got that number, but does not know why they are born, do, do not know why they are born again. And do not know the God in whom they are serving. In fact, there was um, a research that was done in America and they found out that they did a research and they were trying to test out religions across the world. And they found out that a lot of Christians, listen to this, when they asked them, what is your religion? This is what they did. They put out a research. They asked you to tick your religion. So you tick Islam, Christian, and all of those, Christianity and all of that. So, when they finish that, they will then submit, they will give you a form. And in that form, there will be different questions in that form. The answers you give in that form indicate for them the true religion that you believe in. And there is a religion many of you might not be aware. There's a religion unknown to you called moralistic therapeutic deism. Have you heard of that religion before? I will explain it to you. It's very like Christianity but it's not Christianity. How many of you have heard that? Have you heard it before? You've heard it before. And that is what many of us are practicing. When I read, someone say, ah. <laughs> Listen, when I, read, when I read out for you the ideologies behind that religion, it was said that after they did that research amongst over 500,000 Christians in America that claim to be Christians, they realize that 350 of them are practicing that religion. But they are calling themselves Christians. Why? Because your religion is known by your belief. Full stop. So, write this. Don't write it down. But listen to this. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. It's ideologies. Number one. That God exists, a God exists who created the world and watches over it. Do we believe that as Christians? Yes or no now? <laughs> Say it with your full chest. I mean, you are doubting your religion. Do you believe that as a Christian? Good. You see that we are in the same lane. Number two, God loves people to be nice and fair to each other. Yes or no? Do you believe that as Christians? Very good. Number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and do whatever makes you happy at all times. But are you supposed to be happy as a Christian? Now watch this one. The central, number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself all the time. No, no, no. Which means prioritizing yourself. Wait, wait. <laughs> wait. All your prayer points. <laughs> I saw her stressing you. 
to pray for the souls. She was literally stressing people. I said, I'm not praying for souls. I need money. Listen to this particular one. It says, God does not need to be involved in one's life except when he is in need to solve a special problem. Does that sound like your, your, prayer, your prayer time? But if you look at many, time, many of the churches, many of us, that all these things we do, that sounds very close to what we do. I don't need to work with God, but when there's a problem, I come to church. Once I fix it, I'm back to my life. Very close to Christianity. Boys, moralistic, therapeutic dazing. What am I saying? That what we call religion, the biggest war is not even with the devil. It's with what we call modern day paganism and moralistic ideologies that sound like Christianity but it's not very close to it and many of those things have been cemented in some of the words we are used to God cannot put on, on me what I don't have a, listen, listen this is what people have used to run away from leadership I'm drawing nets today say, all of you now <laughs> Look at this last one about this, the ideology. This is very, very interesting. And some of you have watched it in a movie. You might not believe how deep this thing is ingrained in your soul. That good people die and they go to heaven. When, as long as they are good people. When they die, they are going to heaven. But some of you watched it now. You watched it when you were growing up. Once, they, once you die, they will weigh your sin. Abi, and once your sin is heavier than your good, you go to hellfire. And when you are coming and you wear white and you have one small spot, they say, wait, 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 wait. This one don't chop rice, stay in here. Enter hell. So when the Bible says narrow is the way, everybody thinks this is how I'm going to enter into heaven. You'll be surprised. Let me tell you something. Look at me, everybody you'll be surprised the power of the subconscious. <laughs> I remember, let me close with this. I remember when I was on campus, ETF, a friend of mine, I don't want to mention his name, went to play a game in his room. He is the best in sleepology. I was, we're just playing. I was calling one, two, three, four. Ah. I just looked. He was gone. The subconscious. Does this happen to you before? You are cooking Indomie. I don't want to mention a big food that you, you cannot cook. At least all of us can cook. <laughs> you are cooking Indomie. And, okay, sorry, you can cook. And while you are cooking it, the power of the subconscious. As you are cooking it, you are thinking about something else. And you were cooking it and you cooked it to the point that it was almost ready and you just came back to yourselves. What was cooking that thing? All those things you were doing. It's a programming. Your subconscious is the one operating unknown to you. Many times even when you drive, some of you that drive, have you noticed that you just get to your destination? Just get yourself back. 
like I'm there. In your mind, you were thinking about something else, particularly when you have a problem. The thing moving that steering was subconscious. That's why this my it's that powerful statement my wife made. If you don't make your subconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it faith. And what we call Christianity, the many practices of our Christianity for many of us is in the realm of our subconscious. I tell you the truth. The practice of look, the way some people prioritize anointing oil, they will pour it on their whole body. You are just going for interview, yet they, they still deny you the visa. The subconscious, the moment there is no anointing oil in your house, you are panicking to sleep. Look, I'm teaching, I'm touching things, Abby. The power of the subconscious. They know the gospel, but deny the power therein. So, look. Listen to what I'm about to say. If you check the Garden of Eden, you will see the tactics of the devil. I bet you to say this to you. There is no way. If Eve had never seen a serpent before, she would never engage the serpent. So he tells you that the devil would always use what is familiar. Because there's no way she would talk to the serpent if, she, if that was the first time she was seeing the serpent. No way. It meant that the devil would always use something you're already used to. Which means that the Christianity we are practicing, we must really check it. And the Christianity we are practicing must be encapsulated by us knowing the word of God. That is why Bible study in this season is a priority for you. So when we begin to talk about how to evangelize, they don't say, okay, who created God? They say, God created who? He's the creator of all the universe. How? Look, there is a study that you and I must have to be able to defend this faith. Because look, all the other religion that is coming, I hope you know that X, Y, Z, D, S, E, W is a religion. And it's coming to a strong agenda. And you know that agenda? <laughs> Think about this. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed that nobody is coming out to say legalized rape? Because it's utterly bad for them. But how come same-sex marriage, it's okay? Because there's, there's a, and I will talk about that sometime later. There is a plan for that thing. When we talk about different kinds of religion, we think is Jesus and Shongo or Jesus and Oya. There are many religions around you. <laughs> Did you know that I read something some months ago that there are people praying to the God of football, the God of Pele. God of football. The devil just creates the familiar too close to them that they will not be able to know that they've shifted. They don't know that they've shifted. This is why we must preach the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus. Full stop. And until we know the gospel about Jesus, all we are going to be telling them is the same moralistic, therapeutic deism. But we think we are saying the gospel. He's a good man, he's a kind man. Very good. But good and kind is not what makes people to enter into heaven. There is only one name through which men must be saved. One. Hmm. Glory to God. 
the purpose of my message tonight is to let you know that we are at the very end time of the end time and like never before God wants his character to be passed across to the earth can we partner together to spread that character glory to God hallelujah 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 finally Mark 16 15 Mark 15 verse 16 And let me say something here. Do you know that, ah, this thing about to say by the Spirit. Do you know that the agenda of God, the devil, is so strong? That's why we must, we must pay attention to this gospel. Have you noticed that the agenda of the devil is so strong that it actually starts from childhood? It's from childhood. Mrs. A, let me ask you a question. Think about this. I just want to put you on the spotlight because I know you won't be offended so let me put it on spotlight if you're when you want to pick your son's school when you go there and you enter and you see them making Amala Abula and Semu in front they say on a Monday morning will you keep your child in that school no why is there to learn. Look, listen everybody. There is a way we have prioritized education above the gospel. Even we, as modern day Christians. I tell you the truth. There's something wrong with that. But you see, think about it. If the reverse was the case, do you know that every one of us as parents, we also have educational goals for our children. That's why if they come back with position 14, we always tell them that when we were in school, we were number one, like our parents <laughs> was always telling us. Is that mean I was number one? Oh God, I've seen your report card. <laughs> we have educational goals for them in our hearts. When they fall short of that goal, we correct their lingua. We correct the way everything educational. But there are no spiritual goals for a child. Aren't we being deceived? No spiritual goals. No spiritual plan. When you are fasting, the only time the son and the daughter sees mommy and daddy pray is when there is a problem and calamity. So in their mind, they've designed God to only be a problem-solving God. Is that not how you got your own Christianity? Is that not why it's only Thanksgiving service you come to church? And Oriki that we are stopped because of people that used, used to come during Oriki alone. Is that not how? You just saw a God a problem-solving God. So we have been talking for the past 30 years, have a relationship, have a relationship. Oh, okay. My parents, God's blessings, they didn't have a relationship. The subconscious is cooking food. Just because you are morally sound and you have not born again doesn't mean you are going to make heaven. It doesn't take moral soundness to make heaven. It takes accepting, believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. If we don't preach this gospel, there are many other quote and unquote gospel spread across that people are accepting ideologies 
and God is God is in heaven. You know, this, this evening when I was praying in the spirit, please pardon me, I want to just use this image because that's how the Lord showed me. So don't interpret it more than that. In the, when I was praying in the spirit, I saw it, I, it was like I saw God, you know, do like this. It's almost like God is sometimes incapacitated when it comes to reaching the lost. Why? Because he needs men to do it. How do I fill the earth with my glory, with my character, with my nature? Because there are people who will not bow to Lucifer with big horns anymore. But I bet you they will bow to moral living. That is not the gospel. Modern day paganism, that is not the gospel. And some of us are practically practicing it, even unknown to us. That is even you who have heard the gospel, who believe in God. How much more does the lost around you that don't even know or have heard about him before? The new church, I want to encourage you this season. If you truly love the Lord, get a burden for souls and the gospel. We have to contend for this thing. We have to put our money there to contend for it. We're grateful to God for all the things that God is doing on the earth. But think about this. Think about this. There was a big um, 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 event that happened in the weekend. You saw the stadium filled with people. But if you put that side by side to 7 billion people, is like a drop. So God is counting on you. God needs you. Glory to God. Was somebody blessed tonight? Would you go back to this message? Now, I want to leave you to, some, to do something. Number one, write it down. Write down what you believe is God's plan for your own life. Write it down. And that's okay if you don't know it yet. On Sunday, we're going to be teaching on purpose across all the new churches. Then number two, have you written it down? Write down how you can use what you currently have as your purpose, your, your talent, your giftings to bring more people to our Lord Jesus. Let me close with this. I read something and someone Someone put out, sorry, someone had put out a, a write-up online and then deleted, deleted it. And there was a strategic 10-year plan to recruit at least in a particular city in America. You can, you can guess the city I'm talking about, the dark city of America, to recruit at least 10 million children that would be practicing witches 
in the next five years a strategic document 10 million children so what's the purpose of church then we just come gather shout woo 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 glory 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 now every time you mention glory what do you remember character of God that God is loving is not counting your sin against you there is therefore now no condemnation to you he wants you save have you do you realize that every religion believes that there's an afterlife or let me say most religion believes that there's an afterlife because there is if you are going to commit to getting at least three people saved before the end of this year stand up if you are watching at home as well if you are going to commit to at least three people una no go commit wait wait all of una wait sit down now. after all this okay 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 close the door at least three people it adds to the numbers look guys either you know it or not there is war and now you helps you understand when we ask people to give for feast and all of this conference is because we can do more there are a lot more people that needs to be saved a lot more the moment a church gets into this ang we're going to be more evangelistic in our approach than ever there's somebody who has a plan one person with his team to recruit 10 million children to be witches practicing witches so we say just give to something already counting I'll go give this kind say you know, he rose and he's coming back. Our God is risen, he's back. Everybody going to scream, yes, he's coming back again. My Savior's coming back again. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. How will he come until we get people saved? Tap five people and say, preach this gospel. If you can't, tap them. Don't just point, tap somebody. Preach this gospel, my friend. Preach this gospel, my friend. Somebody lift your right hand and say after me, the earth is mine. Oh, lift it right higher. The earth is mine. It's given to me a powerful ministry of reconciliation. And from today, I am conscious of that ministry. And everywhere I go, I dispense the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The character of our God that is patient that is loving that has mercy that is merciful that is kind that is compassionate everywhere I go I speak I proclaim the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and through me millions of people will come to know the Lord I would use every available channel, word of mouth, social media, my giving, 
relationships, conversations to convert many more people to Jesus. Thank you, Father. For as I do this, I'm an able minister reconciling many to you. Glory to God. Put your hands together for the Lord. I also want to encourage you across the churches this week, look at somebody in your contact list. Look at a friend, look at a family, look at someone. Bring them to church. Drag their week to church. Pay for their Uber. Pay for their, yeah. Just let's go all out for the gospel. Glory be to God. Amen. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.